Podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today is our annual Valentine's Day episode, in which we invite one of our wives to pick an episode, and this year our wife is mine, (laughs) Shannon. And I picked Dark Journey from Suspense. Dark Journey was written by Lucille Fletcher, author of one of radio's most famous plays, Sorry, Wrong Number. During the 1930s, Fletcher worked for CBS as a music librarian, publicity writer, and most significantly, a typist. Between 1934 and 1939, Fletcher typed and read hundreds of radio plays, slowly but surely mastering the form. In 1940, on a road trip with her husband, film and radio composer Bernard Herrmann, Fletcher noticed an odd-looking man on the Brooklyn Bridge. The same man appeared again on the Pulaski Skyway Bridge. This strange experience gave her the idea for her first original radio play, The Hitchhiker. Written for Orson Welles, The Hitchhiker made its debut in 1941 on The Orson Welles Show, a later iteration of the Mercury Theater on the Air. CBS was so pleased with the play, Welles was invited to perform it again for Suspense. Twenty years later, Rod Serling adapted the play for The Twilight Zone. Fletcher's greatest radio success came in 1943, when Suspense aired her play, Sorry, Wrong Number, starring the first lady of Suspense, Agnes Moorhead. Audiences were transfixed and demanded to hear the story over and over again. Orson Welles called it the greatest single radio script ever written. And in 1948, Fletcher adapted the story for a feature film starring Barbara Stanwyck. Fletcher went on to write novels, screenplays, and even the libretto for an opera based on Wuthering Heights. But she is best remembered for her contributions to dramatic radio. In an interview with the Washington Post, Fletcher said, Writing suspense stories is like working on a puzzle. You bury the secret, lead the reader down the path, put in false leads, and throughout the story remain completely logical. Each word must have meaning and be written in a fine literary style. Mysteries are a challenge, a double task for the writer, for the reader is aching to solve the puzzle before you do. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Miss Nancy Kelly and Miss Kathy Lewis in Dark Journey, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines... By William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant. 
as Roma Wines bring you Nancy Kelly and Kathy Lewis in the premiere of Lucille Fletcher's radio play for two actresses, Dark Journey. Tonight's study in... Suspense. going on a journey. I am going to see Anne Brody again after 15 years. When the news came yesterday, terrible as it was, it was as though a shadow had lifted from my life, a secret horror that I could never quite forget. I have been afraid of Anne Brody now for 15 years, but there is no need to be afraid of her anymore. secret has been locked in my heart together with all shameful, horrible things. Yet I've never gone on a journey like this one, but what it comes back. There have been times when I couldn't bear the whistle of a train flung out long and mournful over the lonely countryside. I couldn't bear the smell of a day coach, the feel of the plush seats, the rattle and bustle. Only because everything came back. Every detail of that long and terrible weekend we spent together 15 years ago. Oh, Alice. Alice, we're all. Thank goodness. I don't think anybody saw us, do you? No. Only old Mr. Hodgins, the station master, and he's no gossip. I wouldn't want anybody to know. Not that I care, but you know how the tongues wag in this town. Well, it's much better to be perfectly sure of your plans before you pass the word around. Then if you and Clyde don't settle things, nobody will be any the wiser. (laughs) If we don't settle things? Well, there's no if about it, but Clyde and I are practically engaged. Did you get his letter yet about us coming to New York? Uh Uh-huh. Well, for goodness sake, why didn't you tell me? What'd he say? Oh, nothing much. He's he's no letter writer, just that he was glad and that he's been busy and he's going to call us at the hotel. Oh? He can't meet us at the train? No. Uh, it seems it's his mother's birthday and he promised to take her to lunch in town. We'll be getting in just around that time. He's terribly devoted to her, you know, has been ever since his father died. Oh, I see. You're very much in love with him, aren't you, Anne? Terribly. Yet you really see him so little. How long has it been now? Three months? Three months and six days. But it doesn't really matter. No. I know Clyde loves me and I love him. There's a bond between us. And nothing will ever break it. Well, as long as you feel that way, it's a wonderful way to feel. But I don't think you ought to let it drag on like this much longer, Anne. I really don't. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll settle it this time once and for all. You'll see... When we get on this train again, I'll be wearing his engagement ring on my finger. me by now. No, he's probably tied up with his mother. Come on, let's go down to the drugstore and have a sandwich. Aren't you just stop? No, no, I, I don't feel hungry. You go, though. I'll wait. Oh, come on. The clerk will take the message for no, you. No, no, I I want to be here myself. Why don't you call him? I can't if he's at a restaurant. Well, maybe he didn't go. Maybe he's home, sick, or, or at the office. No, no, it, it wouldn't look right. 
He's got to call me. I, I, I don't know why he doesn't. I don't know why either. In fact, why couldn't we all have had lunch together at that restaurant? I mean, he, he's not exactly poor, is he? Uh, don't you want to take a bus ride or see the sights or anything? Later, Alice. After he's called. Hello? Yes? Oh, yes, this is Miss Ann Brody. What? He... He left a message. Oh. Thank you. What is it? He stopped by and left a message. He has a previous engagement. A previous engagement? When he knew I was coming to New York this weekend only to see him. Well, maybe it was something he couldn't get out of. Maybe on account of his mother's But he birth. already gave her today. And after all he knew I was coming, he knew I'd want to be with him every possible minute. Well, maybe that's the trouble, Anne. Maybe he doesn't want to be pinned down. Maybe you expect too much. But he was right here in the hotel and he didn't even... Oh, he's grown away from me. He's not mine anymore. Alice... Alice, you know what Clyde has meant to me these three years, how I've lived for him and worshipped him. It's... Oh, it's just as though my, my world has been cut away. It's like... It's like having a lump of ice for a heart. Alice, Clyde is my heart. Oh, I, I've got to see him. I've got to tell him. Oh, Anne. Dear, wouldn't you like to lie down? No, no, I can't lie down. I'm going to sit here in, in this chair by the window. I... Wish you'd go, Alice. I want to be quiet and think and think about him. And I wouldn't. Something's happened to him. There's some barrier. I've got to wish it away, to break it down. What are you talking about? I can do it, you know. And please go. Please. Don't tell me it's nine o'clock. I didn't mean to sleep so late. We better get up and get breakfast. Alice. Alice, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He hasn't called me. I haven't slept. Why don't you call him, Anne? Call him and have it out with him once and for all. No, no, I, I couldn't. Well, maybe there's something bothering him. Maybe it's some family situation. After all, his mother didn't have lunch with you yesterday. Maybe, maybe there was a reason. What reason could there be except that she didn't want to meet me? She doesn't want him to marry anybody. She wants him all to herself. Well, isn't that enough to upset any fellow? Oh, come on. We'll get to the bottom of this thing. What's his number? I'll get it for you. I, I haven't his number. I never called him at home. But his address is 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. Hello. Uh, hello, operator. This is room 351. We want to put in a call to Riverdale, New York. Uh, 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. Uh, the name is Dexter. Mr. Clyde Dexter. Will you get it for us, please? What did she say? She's looking it up. Uh, there it is. She's ringing. Here, you better take it now. Oh, no. No, just one minute. One minute. Let me get my breath. Let me think of what I'm going to say. Hello? Is this the Dexter residence? This is Miss Ann Brody speaking. I wonder if I might speak to Mr. Clyde Dexter, please. Thank you. Clyde? Oh, Clyde, this is Anne. Oh, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, 
Clyde, I've been waiting here at the hotel for you to call, and Alice and I have to spend the morning out, and we thought we'd better let you know we wouldn't be in just in case you wanted... Oh, yes, Clyde, I, I know you said you had a previous engagement, but I thought... Well, you see, Clyde, I'm only going to be here today, and we get to see each other so little, I was wondering... What's that, Clyde? Yes? Yes? When, no, I, I didn't. What did you say, Clyde? I, I didn't understand. You're what? You're... Oh, Clyde. Oh, Clyde, it's not true. It, it can't be. But, Clyde, wait. But, Clyde, you can't do this to me. I've, I've considered myself engaged to Anne, you. I... Anne, give me that phone. No. Oh, no, I just want to say goodbye to him, please. And don't... Don't look that way. What did he say? He, he told me he's engaged to marry a New York girl this September. Oh, Anne. Well, he, he just isn't worthy of you. He couldn't have been if he treats you like this now. I love him. I love him. I love him till the day I die. Oh, Anne, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm... Oh, please, Alice, please don't talk. Don't come near me or go away, will you, just for a little while? Oh, no, I won't leave you. I can't leave you when, when you look like oh, that. Oh, go away, I said. How do you hear me? Go away. I want to be alone. I want you to go away. I, I have work to do. Work to do? I'm, I'm going to will him to come back to me. I'm going to make him come to this hotel through heaven and hell. And they're dragging him away from me. Oh, Anne. I can do it. I've done it before. I've made him write to me. I've made him call me up out of a clear sky after months and months. I willed him to speak to me the very first time I saw him when he was just a stranger. I willed him to give me his fraternity pin last year at the spring dance. And I can do it. I can do it. If only I try hard enough and... And if you're absolutely quiet, Clyde, Clyde, oh, it's no use. He's too far away. Oh, I'll have to come closer to him. We're going out. Going out? Where to? To Riverdale. Riverdale? I want to look at his house to see where he lives. There's something there. Someone who's holding him back. And let's go back to Denford. Let's take a train tonight, any train, and get out of here for good. No, I can't go home. I told you that before. I can't until I have his engagement ring on my finger. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Nancy Kelly and Kathy Lewis in Dark Journey by Lucille Fletcher. Roma Wines presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with a little domestic drama. It's happened to you before and will happen again. You're relaxed in your easy chair, coat off, contentedly reading your evening paper. Your wife is probably tidying up after dinner. The doorbell rings. Sure enough, it's guests who just dropped in. 
Now, famed hostess Elsa Maxwell tells us how she handled these surprise visits. She says, I always keep Roma California Sherry on hand to welcome unexpected guests. Serving Roma Sherry is so simple, you just pour and hospitality reigns. And because Roma is America's favorite wine, you know your guests will enjoy it. Yes, there's no easier way to gain a reputation for gracious hospitality than by keeping Roma Sherry ready for guests. And Roma, America's taste favorite, the wine more Americans prefer, costs no more than ordinary wines. So make a note to get mellow, golden amber Roma Sherry tomorrow. Once you try the tempting fragrance and intriguing nut-like taste of Roma Sherry, you'll always ask for Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Kathy Lewis as Alice and Nancy Kelly as Anne in Dark Journey, a play well calculated to keep you in suspense. We ought to be wandering around here like this. There might be strange men. There's the street. Sunset Drive. And there's the house. I've seen pictures of it. I'd I'd know it anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, Anne, please. This is doing you no good. Hush. I've dreamed about that house. Dreamed of myself and him living in it together. I've dreamed of our children playing on that lawn and the sound of music inside and our car standing outside. But it wouldn't mean a thing to you, Anne, if Clyde didn't love I've you. I've dreamed of the years we'd spend together. Why, well, I, I even named the children. Clyde Jr. and Peter and Charlotte. That's his mother's name. I never liked it, but I was going to call one child that just to please him. And now, what have I got? Nothing. Nothing is gone. Come on. Come on with me, Anne. Oh, there's a light going on up there. He's going to his room. I wonder if he's home. Clyde. Clyde. Think of me. Come back to me. Oh, love me, Clyde. Love me. Love me! Don't, Anne, don't. Somebody might hear you. Shadow at the window. Oh, it's Clyde. Oh, no. No, it's someone else. It's a woman. A gray-haired woman. Oh, it's his mother, Alice. Clyde's mother. I don't think he's home, Anne. Let's go back to the hotel. No. No, I want to see her. I've heard so much about her. She always turned her nose up at me. He never admitted it, but I knew. He was the only son, and she thought there wasn't anybody good enough. And, and he was always under her influence, just believed everything she said. I could tell the way he talked. It was always mother says this and mother says that. I bet it was she who turned him against me who picked out that, that New York girl. Oh, Anne, please, come on. You're just tearing your heart she's out. She's up in his room now. She's straightening his things. She's happy up there. She doesn't care that she's made me miserable. Oh, I can feel it now, Alice. I can feel the barrier in my heart. Anne, shh. Something's coming. Let's go. We're doing no harm. We can stare, can't we, if we wish? Come on. Come on, we'll walk past the house. We'll get fire. We'll go up and ring the bell. And, and then when she comes down to answer it, we'll ask, is Mrs. Clyde Dexter at home? 
And then when she asks us who we mean, we'll laugh at her face. Oh, Annie, you're just beside <laughs> yes, yourself. Yes, I am. I am beside myself because I feel it, Alice. He's lost to me as long as she's up there. Oh, I can stand here, out here under the trees, trying to reach him with every bit of soul I possess, but as long as she's there, as long as she's alive, he'll never be mine again. This is terrible. You've got to pull yourself together and get some rest. You've been sitting in that chair now for three hours. Please, don't talk. Just let me alone. You're... You're working on that willpower thing still, aren't you, Anne? And it, it makes me awfully nervous. Be quiet. It's coming. Something's coming. Something's going to happen. I feel it all around me. I'm going to get a doctor if you don't stop. Shh, shh. I feel it. I feel something. You're just as white as a sheet. You're shaking all over. I absolutely refuse to let this go on. Do you hear? Now, you, you get into bed. No. Let me take off no, your shoes. No, no, no. Leave me alone. It's as though there were a big lump being moved off my heart. As though the ice inside me were going. As though I, I could cry at last. Oh, it's happened. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. All right. I'll lie down now. I'll go to sleep. If you could sleep, you'd feel better. If you just relax. I've done it, Alice. You'll see. He'll be here in the morning. You lie down now. There he is. Didn't I tell you? There's Clyde now. Hello? Yes. Yes, this is room 351. Yes, this is Ann Brody speaking. Yes. It's Riverdale calling. Riverdale. Clyde? She didn't say. Oh. Hello? Yes. Yes, I'm Ann Brody. Why, yes, I'm a friend of Mr. Clyde Dexter. Who did you say this is, please? The, the police. The police? Oh, something hasn't happened to Mr. Dexter, has it? Oh. What? Yes. Yes, my friend and I were out to the house late this afternoon, around six o'clock. Well, yes, I, I did wear a white hat and a green dress, and, and she... W oh, but we took the subway, the White Plains Express, on the Interboro line from our hotel. We came back around seven. We, well, we just walked past the house two or three times, but... Well, what's the matter? Why are you asking me these questions? No, I haven't seen them. I... What? Give me the phone, Anne. Let me speak to them. You're in no condition Keep to away. Talk. You know what they're saying, do you? That Clyde's mother has been murdered. What? Oh, no. No, I haven't. Yes? No. No, we didn't. We just came right home. We didn't even ring the bell. Is Mixed Destica there with you? I see. Well, I'd like to speak to him, please, when he gets through. Will you ask him to call me? Yes. We'll stay here in the room. Oh, Anne. It was a hammer. At eight o'clock tonight. She was struck from behind by an unknown assailant. Oh, how awful. Well, why did the police call us? 
What have we got to do with it? Clyde was home when we walked by the house. He saw us standing there. I'm going to tell him, Alice. I'm going to tell him the truth. Truth? What truth? There's always been that power inside me. I've known I had it, and sometimes it frightened me. Things have happened. I've been afraid sometimes to use it, afraid it would turn against me. And tonight it did turn against me. And what do you mean? By an unknown assailant. Murdered by an unknown assailant. You know who that assailant was? It was me. Anne, are you crazy? You you were up here in, in the room every minute. I was up here in the room, but I was wishing she were dead. I was willing him to come to me. I was trying to destroy the barrier. Surely you can't believe that, Anne. It was, it was only a coincidence, a terrible coincidence. I was trying to bring him back, to touch his heart, but the power didn't touch his heart. His heart's like steel against me. It struck his heart and glanced off and struck her dead. Anne, please, you're talking like a but little... But you don't understand. People like you can understand. People like you... But there's violence to will. To store it up takes years. To send it out of yourself is like, like sending a powerful hand with fingers. Will can't kill somebody, Anne. Not pure will. The body is one thing, the mind's another. Mrs. Dexter is physically dead. Her heart stopped beating. There was a blow. Somebody real, somebody human did that. She was struck from behind. She was alone in the house. They said the doors were locked. She had no enemies. It came out of nothing and it went away again. Oh, I, I never dreamed. I didn't want it to happen that way, but but it's getting beyond me. It's assuming forms and accomplishing ends I don't plan. It's, it's turning against me, Alice. Turning against me. Do you think a police court will believe you? You'll only confuse the testimony. You'll only hurt Clyde. Will. Will. You talk about the power of your will. Did you have any real power these last two days? Did it bring Clyde to this hotel? Did it make him love you or even call you up? Yes. 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 Don't you touch him. I won't let you speak to him. Get away from that phone, Alice. Do you want to get us in trouble? Do you want us to go to jail and spend weeks in court? He'd put you there. He wouldn't care. Get away from that phone, Alice. I don't believe you, do you hear? I think you're mad. You're mad as a hatter. Get away from that phone. Oh, no! Anne, you'll ruin your life. You'll fall into suspicion, and people will always think you had something really to do with it. You'll, you'll end up in an asylum. The whole world will know he jilted you. What, what are you going to say to him? He must be half beside himself as it is. He'll, he'll never believe you. What? All right. Thank you, Alice. You see? It is there, isn't it? I made you do what I wanted. <laughs> and I can make anyone. Hello? Hello, Clyde. Oh, Clyde, darling, I just heard the terrible news. How terrible for you. I'm so sorry. Yes, Alice and I were out there this afternoon. We came by to say hello, but we got cold feet and came home. Oh, no, Clyde, no, we didn't, not a soul. Oh, yes, my darling, I I understand how terribly broken up and, and my heart goes out to you. Oh, I will, Clyde, dearest, I will. I'll be right over. I'll help you in any way I know. Goodbye, Clyde. 
didn't tell him. You're not going to tell him at all. No. Why should I? He's mine now. And so Anne Brody walked out of my life. Walked from me wrapped in her new and terrible strangeness. Somehow I didn't want to play any part in her life again. I didn't go to her wedding when she and Clyde were married one year later. To me, there would have been something evil in hearing her voice repeat the sacred word. I am. Take thee, Clyde. There has been for me a nameless horror in the slow, steady way Anne Brody fulfilled her plans. The house in Riverdale, the car, the three children, Peter, Clyde Jr., and Charlotte. Her happiness, her triumphant motherhood has somehow been hideous to me. I've never heard a train whistle crying through the dawn but what I've thought of her and shuddered. I have been afraid of Anne Brody now for 15 years. Today, I know I've been a fool. Today, I know that it was a real murderer who murdered Mrs. Dexter with a hammer from the service porch. Today, I'm going on a journey to Riverdale. I am going to see Anne Brody again, lying willless and struck down in her coffin, lying innocent and pathetic, lying murdered. Not will, nor nameless monsters of the mind could save her from the truth at last. Yesterday afternoon, the weak, long, brooding creature who could not brook domination from mother or wife flung pent-up death against the mistress of his will. Yesterday afternoon, Clyde Dexter struck again. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with a tip on how to win praise and increase dining pleasure. Today, millions of clever homemakers are enjoying dinner table compliments by giving everyday dishes tempting new meal appeal. Here's the secret. A glass of red Roma California Burgundy at each place. Try it yourself. Serve robust Roma Burgundy with tomorrow night's piping hot savory pot roast, tender juicy steak, or baked fish. Roma Burgundy brings out tasty new flavorfulness from every morsel, wins grateful compliments for your cooking, and notice how the warm glowing redness of Roma Burgundy adds richness and beauty to your table. Yet the gracious custom of serving Roma... America's favorite wine is as inexpensive as it is delightful. Enjoy exciting new dining pleasure tomorrow with delicious Roma Burgundy. Insist on Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. 
Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Nancy Kelly. I'm sure you want to hear next Thursday's suspense when Joseph Cotton will star as a famous New York criminal lawyer in one of the best-known suspense stories of our time, Ben Hecht's Crime Without Passion. Thank you. Nancy Kelly will soon be seen in the Paramount picture, Follow That Woman. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you Joseph Cotton as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Next week, part of the country goes on daylight saving time. If your area remains on standard time, tune in suspense one hour earlier. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was Dark Journey from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And it is our special Valentine's Day episode where on Valentine's Day week, we bring in one of our uh, spouses. Many, 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 many wives. <laughs> yes, we all have hundreds of wives. <laughs> this year, it, our special guest is my wife, Shannon. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. Welcome. And, Glad uh, to be yeah, one of the presumably wives chosen. Presumably, she will still be your wife next year, but she may not Hopefully, make it on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll see again. <laughs> Shannon, what? Uh, why did you pick Dark Journey from Suspense? What well, attracted you? So Joshua actually helped me in choosing because I don't have the deep knowledge that all of you do of radio <laughs> dramas. And this is the one I chose of the couple he sent to me because, well, first of all, I've fallen in love with Lucille Fletcher. So it was hard for me not to mm-hmm. choose a Lucille Fletcher play. But the way that she writes and and something that suspense is so good at that I actually know now is that it builds <laughs> mm-hmm. so beautifully. And it was a really interesting story of two women and mm-hmm. the, you know, sort of the woman problem. Um, it, there's a lot to it, but I, I really liked it. Before we delve into it, tell us and our listeners, what's your background with old time radio and where did you find it and why do you like it? <laughs> I'm married to you. Right. Um, and truly, that was my first, you know, foray into it. And then I've really come to love it. I've always loved the movies from the same period and the writing from the same period. So mm-hmm. how I hadn't discovered it before, I don't know. But A lot of people have it. I guess I had friends <laughs> and I went riding on my bike. No, I'm just kidding. Burn! I know, that was a burn. <laughs> what other shows, uh, old-time radio, have you listened to and that you enjoy? The I Love a Mystery. Well, all the ones from your podcast, obviously. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Any particular ones from our podcast that you were like, oh, that was cool? Or, oh, yeah. You know? I mean, well, you're putting me on the spot here, but the one that I'm really entrenched in now is The Yellow Wallpaper. It killed me. It's very well done. I'm killed. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Joshua, uh, you sent her a bunch of episodes to listen to, and this was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your background with this episode, and why did you select this for her? I just recently went through and listened to a lot of Lucille Fletcher suspense episodes, because I realized we've talked about her in the podcast, and I, I went like, well, I know The Hitchhiker and Sorry, Wrong Number, and I'm not sure I'm familiar with some of her other stories. And there are a lot of great ones. They'll probably show up on the podcast uh, down the road. But this one interested me, and I thought Shannon would like it because it's written for two 
women. And so it's this, well, two things. Um, from a writing standpoint, how to structure a suspense episode where you never really feel the lack of other actors, which I think this successfully does, but also that they're just weren't many radio shows that had just women from top to bottom. Right. And so it stood out to me for that reason. In fact, they didn't even let us hear, what's his name? Uh, Clyde. Clyde. Clyde, On right. the other end of the uh, telephone no. call, which they would usually do, yeah. right. we'd hear that hollow telephone mm -hmm. sound and we'd hear him, but there's a whole other thing I want to delve into. I thought that scene in itself, mm -hmm. just that conversation with Clyde on the phone was brilliant and suspenseful that we couldn't hear him, but I think also intentional not to mm -hmm. hear a man. Well, um, I can hear this story told from Clyde's perspective. It would be a right. really cool story. Yeah. You know, the, the slow descent of madness and mm -hmm. these women yeah. who, you know. And that's one of the other things I think are interesting is it's a sort of sly, subversive thing on Lucille Fletcher's part mm -hmm. is that Alice really plays the traditional male role. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. they weren't limited to two actresses, because she's the rational one. Mm -hmm. um, she's the one who talks sense. And mm -hmm. so by making it a play for two women, the women are not portrayed as hysterical other than Anne. So right. you, you get this sort of dichotomy going. And that she is, really is that voice where typically... Of all the radio I've been listening to, <laughs> it would be like, you're hysterical, Anne. Mm -hmm. Instead, I mean, she does say she's mad, but that leads up to it. But mm -hmm. the first couple times, she's like, you know, that might be why he doesn't like you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're you're kind of, it's a little, it's a little heavy, yeah. Anne. You might want to step back a little bit, I, you know. <laughs> I wrote in my notes before I knew how this ended, I wrote, I think Clyde's dodging a bullet here. <laughs> Well, and it is that, but she is that voice, but it's this caring friend voice, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because typically it is from that yeah. male yeah, it perspective. Have the, the power, like, right? Based on it. Yeah. Pull yourself together, woman. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that we you have... reflect poorly on me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because Alice is there, though, yeah. and doesn't represent all women, then. She represents a human being who's scary and losing it, mm -hmm. instead of a oh, typical woman. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The idea of Alice was extremely essential to mm -hmm. get us through this, to have the rational. What I love, and as we all know, how women were perceived and represented has not always been great <laughs> to be, but the idea that they both didn't become stereotypical women that were uh, both uh, freaking out, or, mm -hmm. or, and it's because it was written by a woman. Mm -hmm. And before we delve any more further into it, I think it's you know worth pointing out just really what Lucille Fletcher accomplished by being a radio writer and to be given this full reign to do not just cutesy stories, Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier, I've been listening to old radio of uh, female detectives. and I get that for you for Christmas. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's no big deal. You can edit that out. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> but they aren't allowed to be, you know, tough, hard-boiled right. cops, mm -hmm. other than, which I will play for you later, the Mercedes McCambridge oh, uh, uh, one that she did, yeah. which was they allowed her to be just a person and not a woman, but this wasn't allowed. Capital w. And they let her write these beautiful, mm -hmm. traditionally uh, written by men plays. And so I just think it's, it's a phenomenal look into uh, old-time radio to see what she was able Do to accomplish. Too, because uh, uh, having the, the narrator, having that relationship between two women, the narrator's sympathy for Anne pulls over to audience having sympathy for Anne in a way I think would be different if it was a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, it's uh, so lovely. Car- yeah. Well, you don't hear women in that place very often where, you know, she's not today, you know, that narration that mm-hmm. I'm going to take you on this journey. And I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Oh, in that opening line, I've been afraid of Ann Brody for 15 years 15 years, years. Oh, that's yeah. that's a great And then, but line. there's no need to be afraid anymore. Yeah. And Whoa. So, you know, <laughs> so it's a great hook. It gives yeah, nothing away. Hook, it yeah. just heightens the suspense mm-hmm. and just makes you keep guessing at every turn. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the formatics as just as a radio drama for a second. I wrote in my notes, train sounds, church bells, traffic. <laughs> the Foley is great. fantastic. That's what it's like having a conversation with Eric. <laughs> train sound. Church bells. Church bells. <laughs> Gong. And the device of when the church bells yeah. came mm-hmm. and when they were played is so beautifully put together as a radio drama. Mm-hmm. Forget about the Lucille Fletcher wrote it and it's too all that oh, yeah. is significant. But this is a beautiful radio play period. Yeah, well you've yeah. got Lucille Fletcher writing it but then you've got the, the people behind suspense producing it and right. they know and what they they're really doing. And they really know what they're doing. Those church bells, I just realized, you know, they, as I was listening, God, these aren't random. These are yeah, these are yeah. specific and how loud they were. It made it sound like are you in the church? They're <laughs> in New York, so I'm wondering if that's a specific cathedral yeah, right? Right? Yeah. reference. But and I wasn't sure. Did you pick up on the subtle part. traffic sounds? Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. in the background, but there it was. It reminds me, and you know, you're going to give me grief for this, but if you listen, <laughs> they will. Trust okay, me, you're cool. not in here a lot. I'm they give me grief a lot. <laughs> um, but if you listen to the Foley on Law and Order when they're in the courtroom scenes and you can still hear the traffic outside, <laughs> I always pick up on that because it's so cool because that right. is a you studio set. where you are. But if yeah. you are there, you would hear that subtle, and it's very low, but if you listen for it, you hear it, and it, you realize how much that adds to the scene. And in this, when they were in the hotel room or... Is that where they were, a hotel room or mm-hmm. That's some what I apartment? That's a hotel, yeah. probably you, for ladies yeah, only, well, they, you yeah. know? There so, m- in my mind, this is fun. This was fun for me. <laughs> there was a little couch. Keep going. There were moments when they weren't talking, just little spaces, and I go, ooh, yeah. there's traffic. Yeah, way we? to add that layer of detail that really... But then really Riverdale would be a suburb, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that tranquility, the right. American dream that they leave right. the. I really city. was hoping they were calling Archie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to be Clyde. And you wouldn't even mm. know that Riverdale is a Netflix original based on the Archie comic. Oh, I do know that because of, of you. Your, yeah. <laughs> okay. But so, other than that, no. Okay. I so would then. not. You mentioned the American dream. This made me think of. Our very first episode on this podcast, The House in Cypress Canyon. Cypress Canyon, yes, I thought of that too. It felt like a critique of Mm -hmm. that, especially coming from a female perspective. Mm -hmm. Because it's interesting to me that we, we don't get a counter like we might from maybe a male voice where... Alice went on to get married and have kids and do these things. We never hear anything like that. All we hear mm-hmm. is the nightmare mm-hmm. of Anne. The house, the car, the, the lawn, the kids, yeah, which she's yeah. named. How about that? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, She's pre-named. Yeah. And so it felt to me as, as a very covert criticism of this post-war mm-hmm. well, American e- dream. Mm-hmm. Even Alice's dialogue and that character is driving that. Because you could say when you're listening to this, oh, this is so stereotypical. Oh, all I want is to get married, and that's all I want in my life. And if this Clyde doesn't marry me, and I've only known him three months, but my God, I got him. Jeez. But Alice actually drives home the point, yeah, that's not that important. You really got your 
priorities screwed up. And but she does understand the desperation, though. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, and that that is such a real thing, you know, that terror. If, the, if success is those things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can't get them. Because there's a, not a lot of options. Hey, right. What are you going to do? Which Type very, radio plays and become famous? That's just, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Know, I mean, seriously, though. That's I mean, coming great from it's Lucille gotta Fletcher. It's got to come from her mm-hmm. life in that sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely. I, we don't know that. She's mm-hmm. not here. But, but you, you know, would assume. Yeah. Alice is very aware of the social mores of the time because uh, she says to Anne when she's going to tell Clyde that she did it with her mind powers, That, <laughs> yeah. which we'll talk about that too. Such but, a um, great moment. Alice yes. says specifically, you know, everyone will know you're jilted. Mm-hmm. You'll be broken by it. You won't come out of that okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're still grappling Absolutely. with it all and criticizing mm-hmm. it. On the mind powers, the, the yes. episode... Uh, that I thought of as this being a sort of rebuttal critique to was that we listened to recently was If You Believe. Oh, yes, there is that a connection of, there. That theme of if you believe it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that this was wow. like, no, that's magical thinking. And then that mm-hmm. if you do it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. If you... <laughs> or make sure you know what you're believing before yeah. you believe it. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't stand in front of his house <laughs> and wish it so. That uh, red herring was beautiful because I thought this was heading down a supernatural path. Oh, absolutely. Yes. yes. And I, I did too. She's a witch. She's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> it, you did. And I kind of was hoping that's what it would be. <laughs> it's like, wow. please be a witch. Please be a witch. Please be a witch. That's so funny because right? I did not at all. Really? And I think because I am I'm super vulnerable to, to magical thinking. I totally know in my head, logically. Yeah, I get that. There's no Loch Ness monster. There's no Bigfoot. I don't make what now? things happen. In my, oh, I'm sorry. This is a lot. I don't make things happen in my mind, but I secretly believe that I do. It's funny because right. before the podcast, yeah. Tim was sitting around going, "Bigfoot's going to call me. Bigfoot is going to call me. It's going to happen." Hey, he might. He's probably driving right now and just shouldn't. Bigfoot's mom hates me. <laughs> I, I think there was a beautiful thing, though, when I was thinking, oh, you know, is it supernatural and is she a witch? As it started to develop that it wasn't, there was no disappointment of that not being where it was going. No. And I loved where it did go. And there was that suspense twist mm-hmm. where... We should have saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Of course he's the guy. Of course mm-hmm. he's who killed his mom. But I thought it was laid out so perfectly that, as we've discussed in this podcast before, where we've seen it coming and we're like, oh, you didn't set that up very well, or I, I just waited for you to reveal what I already knew. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Well, it's because Anne is so just bat poop crazy, right? <laughs> well, she's you know, crazy. You can't see past She's in love. Else. She's in love. <laughs> She's no, crazy. No, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's crazy, and it's written intentionally for us to start thinking about the supernatural element of this. So mm-hmm. it was beautifully leading us down a wrong path. And Lucille was married. Bernard Herman, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote the music for Psycho. Mm-hmm. So Clyde seems very Norman Bates to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kills his mom and, and that's kills all I his know. mom. <laughs> Lived in a motel. Runs a motel, likes taxidermy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. 
<laughs> you know what? Let's just, yeah, we'll edit it. <laughs> you don't have any idea how many times we say that in the course of a podcast. Oh, I do. know. I listen. <laughs> Actually, I should know this. is probably going to, mm. All right. We yeah. should rename the podcast. We'll edit that out. <laughs> but Tim, you didn't ever think, oh, no. she's a witch. She's but a I was witch. totally taken in by the, uh, the ending because I was so focused on her. Like, what's she going to do? What's she's going to flip. Deal? And I yeah. gave no thought to who killed the mom, which says something bad about me, I suppose. But... <laughs> she had it coming. <laughs> no, but that's interesting. One of those random hammerhead things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I very much was thinking that, that, oh, this is going into a supernatural realm. And I think, too, it's because Alice didn't think that, and I was like, right. Alice is my Alice reliable narrator. Me. Yes. Yes. Well, right. True, true. And so you also, like Alice, feel no pity. For Anna Dan, because she's glad that Anne is dead. Yeah, she is. Oh, she's terrified. That final monologue. Oh, from it's her. so beautiful. And yeah. I, I got to hear the intro to this. Lucille Fletcher said that it has to be written in a fine literary prose. I immediately thought of that final speech. Oh, yeah. It's so gorgeous. You know, just the leading up to that, you know, it, it was Clyde, right? But it was so beautifully written. Oh, yeah. Yesterday afternoon, the weak, long, brooding creature who could not brook domination from mother or wife flung pent-up pent death, death against the mistress of his will. I mean, that's just like... <laughs> I mean, come and on! Yeah, that's back, gorgeous! And it's gorgeous writing, but back to what Tim was saying is you, at that point, empathize with Alice. Yeah. And so when she mm-hmm. lays down that judgment, you're like... It's right, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy weekend, Alice. You, <laughs> you deserve this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but then it goes on. Yesterday afternoon, Clyde Dexter struck again. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. After yeah. that, like, florid, you know. Yeah. I love that line, Clyde Dexter struck again, because... About six seconds before that is where you put it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm using hyperbole, but, you know, very soon before they went, oh, oh, oh Clyde did it. And then she said, and Clyde Dexter struck again and letting us know, yes, you are right. <laughs> you have put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. That is what happened. And I love that. And it's good that she ends on that line mm-hmm. um, because you want to know who is actually responsible mm-hmm. for it. Because it, it walks a fine line. If it was written by a man, it would seem a little more, I think, misogynist but in that, like, this woman deserved this. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and for me, listening to it <laughs> as a woman. Oh, that's it. That's the end of the pot. They just jumped the shark right there. But in all sincerity, that idea that our fear makes us vulnerable, that mm-hmm. the Anne... Brodies of the world, right? Are just Clyde is just looking for them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy guy in the suburbs <laughs> with his angry mom is looking for her because right. you know she's the one he can control. Mm-hmm. Um, even when he's not in the room, and especially when he's not in the room, especially when he ignores her, you know. Weird point to clear up for me is, you know, he's going to marry a New York woman, right? Oh, I loved that. And then... <laughs> Those yeah. New York women. God, I hate them. Oh, come on. Anyway, sorry. So the mother di- <laughs> mother gets murdered, and she calls him. Where did the New York woman go at that point? Was it explained how he got rid of her? Did I miss that? And I didn't even think about that. Like, all like... of a sudden, he just took her back without an explanation as to how that happened. Maybe the mother was lying about it. I don't know. She put well, the mother's my... head on a pike outside the... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a great question because I didn't think about it. Okay, here's, but here's I the explanation I, I have for it is that based on what Alice said, and I, I believe Alice. Um, <laughs> yeah, Alice right? is solid. He was domineered by his mother. So mm-hmm. the New York woman was who his mother wanted him mm-hmm. to marry. He kills his mother so he can marry his mother, mm-hmm. who is really, I mean, because Ann Brody is his Ooh. mother, right? You know, this dom- <laughs> another domineering woman, right? No, it's I mean, true. So it's I think true. that's what you're supposed to mm-hmm. believe. I that tracks. Forehead on a pike. Forehead on a pike. Any other uh, moments that you were struck by? I love the freaky moment when Anne says she's going to tell Clyde about her power <laughs> and and claim that she killed his mother with mm-hmm. her thoughts. And yep. she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Alice is like. <laughs> That's another moment where you have no idea how this is going to end. Yeah. You think they're right. going to both go to jail. This is crazy. Well, and Alice right. says it. You don't want to do no. She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> all the hours in court, all the yeah. people be in jail. Are you hearing yourself? Yeah. And it, that's what's so terrifying about Anne. Yeah. I just think this is just so complex. This is like a thesis paper <laughs> waiting to happen for It is, someone. actually. The woman scorn, the desperate woman. It's mm-hmm. all turned slightly... On its head. On its head, Because, yeah. again, it's at its heart, it's a criticism of that being the only way to achieve anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really strong line for 1940-whatever when Alice says, her triumphant motherhood, motherhood has somehow yes. been hideous to me. She couldn't <laughs> even think about it. That's yeah, That's harsh. Yeah. She's and not getting invited yeah. to bridge. Let's yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> that's back to Eric's point about, like, that's how much power Lucille Fletcher had to, to write right. something yeah. really out of its time. And yeah. Anne saying, I have work to do, you know, that moment I have work to do, is the beginning of every rom-com from the ni- late 80s through the 90s was, I'm going to make him mine, you know? Cue like, music. But it's like... My thought was, let's go to work from Reservoir Dogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of or same thing, similar, yeah. Similar, similar. But it is interesting that it's like Lucille Fletcher. I'll call it Lucille, like we're buds. Um, but she writes that Lulu. She, she, yeah, she sets it up and then goes a completely different place yeah, with it. Yeah. And that's what I thought was so cool about this. I will wrap up with my final note, which was, yeah, Anne is work. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I took yeah. from this. Anne's work. <laughs> I have some notes for you to think about. (laughs) You know, when you're washing your mom's blood off your hammer. (laughs) (laughs) And when your best friend's like, I want to take a train and stand in front of his house. Maybe don't. Right. (laughs) Let it slide, Ann. (laughs) Well, let's put it to the vote, everybody. I'm going to say uh, that for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which it's suspense and hard to fail, that it is a classic and stands the test of time and just beautifully done top to bottom. Yeah, I was going to say, going to the, am I just going to call every suspense episode yeah, a classic? Right? we got to find yeah, a Yeah, terrib- maybe. I might, because this one was a classic. Let's In the future, let's find a terrible suspense find and the tear worst it one. apart. Go to the late 50s, early 60s of suspense. Yeah. You will find a lot of dogs Ooh, in that. Interesting. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tune in, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Your vote, sir? Oh, I say this is a classic. I'm surprised it does not have a higher status. It's really an intriguing episode. And uh, for all the reasons we've already said, and I have to emphasize again, just the fact that she's able to navigate this 
two-person structure. Mm-hmm. And she understands this craft. I never, ever feel the absence of any other actors. Right. Clyde it's... is a main character, and his absence is a character in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she writes into the story. His characters, he keeps standing them up. He exists through Anne. It's weird. Her. I didn't realize until after I had listened to it and taking notes, that I went, wait a minute. I didn't hear from anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that phone scene is wonderful. Her talking to Clyde. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And just the beats, and you can hear what Clyde's saying. Mm-hmm. Shannon. I get to vote? No, yeah. Sure. Says the woman. <laughs> yes. No, I... <laughs> no, I absolutely think this is a classic. It's this gem. I think it should be pulled out, dusted off, and studied more. I mean, I want to send it on to people I know who teach and mm-hmm. work with, you know, actors. And this is cool. Extremely well done. All right. Well, uh, Anne is work. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> wow, wow, that's what I took. Oh, there's so, oh, I have like and four books for you to read, sweetie. <laughs> yes, love. happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thank oh. you, and thanks for letting me be here. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. There you'll find other episodes of this podcast, as well as information about live shows that we do. You can see us at the James J. Hill Center once a month, and we'll perform live versions of classic old radio scripts. Find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. There's lots of us to find. <laughs> and exciting news. Yes. Hey, we have a store now. So if you're just dying uh, to buy some uh, mysterious old radio listening society merchandise, some T-shirts, uh, a blanket, so you want to cuddle up and listen. I don't want to picture that. That's weird. Whatever you do with a blanket, you can get that. Sweatshirts. And sweatshirts. Notebook to notebooks. take notes on feminist yes. readings. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, that is going to be at um, threadless.com. I can't remember what the address is. It's not a great plug, is it? No, we'll have a link. There uh, will be a link on our website. Coolishdelights.com. Just everything's there. Also, we're kind of excited. Uh, we've just recently made new podcast friends <laughs> um, with the people at Breaking Walls. And they are doing this exciting podcast that we think you would be interested in. And it is a history of the American radio drama. And it is done as a documentary covering the creation of radio, the rise of radio, the fall of radio. It's dramatic and uh, intense. And um, it combines interviews, old-time radio clips original drama, sound scoring, and it's going to build over the weeks and months and uh, eventually build up to uh, what's going on in dramatic radio right now in the 21st century. So uh, subscribe to Breaking Walls everywhere you get your podcasts or go to wallbreakers.com. All right, once again, thank you so much, Shannon, for being here for our Valentine's show. Thank you. And next time is me. Uh, Next time I'm bringing an episode of Nightfall, the Club of Dead Men. Until then. Yes? Oh, yes, this is Miss Ann Brody. What? He... he left a message. Oh. Thank you. What is it? He stopped by and left a message. He has a previous engagement. (laughs) 